Shout out to Jack Holloway and Heaven's Music who provided the title soundtrack to the podcast. It is called Melancholia. Hey everyone. Just a heads up that this episode is actually just part one of our conversation with Marcus. We didn't want you to miss out on this conversation, so instead, we're going to release it in two parts so that you can experience the full depth of this messy, raw, and ultimately powerful conversation. Welcome to the <laughs> Welcome to the Growing Pains podcast, where we're helping millennials get out of adult adolescence one candid conversation at a time. I am your host, Smokey Musel, and I'm joined by the ever realer, don't get more realer than her, Anne Harrington. And today, I feel like every guest we get is always a special guest, and he is no different. Today, we're joined by our very good friend, um, <clears throat> soon to get a Hollywood star on the Walk of Fame. That's right. Uh, M- Marcus Privet. Marcus, how you doing, man? We're doing okay. We're doing okay. It's been a hard season. For a lot of us, but I'm sitting here with a broken finger. Um, I broke oh, my I finger recently. Oh, I tell you, I saw the Kobe thing. I thought you were playing ball. Nah, I wish I was. I broke my finger bowling, so I was playing ball in a way. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been that kind of year. Let's just throw a broken finger on top of all of it. Man, can you believe it? The world is broken. My fingers are broken. <laughs> What do we have left? Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. We have each other. Yeah. We have growing pains. We podcast. have. Ooh, there we go. Come on now. You said. Ooh, I didn't. Long time listener, first time caller. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Been listening all of six days. Come on, man. That's all you need on the seventh day is when the magic happens. That's Come right. <laughs> and mm. how you doing? I'm doing great. Doing great. I'm chilling in the beautiful Missoula, Montana, surrounded by mountains. And yeah, it's been pretty rad. Missoula sounds like Montana. Mm. Sounds like it would be in Montana. Not in a bad way, but in a kind of a compatibility kind of way. Sure. Yeah. It's pretty accurate. Yeah, pretty accurate. Now, are there any dogs in Missoula? Many, 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 many dogs, mostly off leash. I was going for a run the other day and ran by a corgi playing fetch, which was pretty great to watch. Mm, that's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a little game with myself of when I see a corgi, try to see how long you can go without looking at its butt. Because <laughs> corgi butts are like top three most adorable things I've ever seen. <laughs> we're, starting off, we're starting off Marcus Privet Week on fire with corgi butt. But, Hey, we're all, we all think it. I'll just say it. I yeah, man. I tell you, I'm it's right there. What is it? Yeah, the the little little bum. Little <laughs> yeah, his little waddle. Yeah, it's like the selective. fluff plus the twitch. <laughs> right. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no tail. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. It doesn't. <laughs> I know it's that important, you, Marcus. It is. Yeah, yeah. Dog, dog, dog rears are <laughs> are adorable sometimes. <laughs> man well that's it for today's episode (laughs) right (laughs) well um i didn't see anything uh no um jen and i watched hillbilly led on netflix and there's two corgis in there at some point and um 
I guess I don't want to ruin for everybody, so I won't tell you when it happens, but it happens. And it was nice. It was a pleasant surprise. But that's all I had. Um, December has proven to be very, very challenging for me. Dog-wise or in general? Oh, dog-wise. Dog-sighting-wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dog-sighting-wise. In general, it's just coasting right above the bottom. Mm. Bottom of the ocean. That's everybody. So we it's all good. Mm-hmm. It's twenty twenty. Come on now. Marcus broke his broke his finger. I did. I don't see no dogs. And except for you. You seem to be twenty twenty is helping you out towards the end here. Give I'm cruising. Support. I'm cruising. It's not it's not been uh unproductive. It's been a lot less fun than I would like, but it's still been yeah. still been good. I'm very lucky. And that's a great segue. Isn't that the whole point of being an adult? It's not as much fun, but it's good. That's good, yeah. See what I mean? I was just mm. preaching. I knew it would come in handy one day. <laughs> Today, we're talking with Marcus about uh, masculinity, fem- masculinity, femininity, and I think still jumping off of definitions, identity. It's been a topic that we've been waxing on for the last few weeks. And I guess it's starting off. Um, today's podcast is very patriarchy heavy, Marcus. It's two guys. And mm-hmm. she's outnumbered. It's like we're back in seminary all over again. <laughs> all right. Oh my goodness. There you go. <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting. Really, really, there should be one more dude in this call. <laughs> right, right. Man, that's tough. Yes, yes. <laughs> but, uh, well, some of the joking aside, Marcus, uh, tell us a little bit about just this whole topic. And it's it's not just like a definitions thing for you. It's, it, it's something that's like rubber meeting the road now that, uh, you know, your life's changing in terms of just going from being single to married and moving on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll share like a bit of what I think has been on my mind with it recently. And uh, if you go back, maybe, I mean, I'm thinking when I was probably like halfway through college, um, you know, when we're, when we're all experts in life, halfway through undergrad, um, I, th- I think, yeah, I started coming to this conviction. A lot of it for me was uh, theologically founded. And then I really came into it in seminary too, where, you know, I was, I was ready to die on the hill that like, you know, the way that, um, the way that we see women in modern American culture, but especially women in the church is pretty harmful. And so my idealistic bent flew way into the other side of the pendulum where, um, the best thing that I could do for women is to, you know, get out of the way and see them as identical to, to men in almost every single way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, uh, and I, I became a pretty staunch in my own heart of that, of that opinion. Um, mm-hmm. and I think as, as I've, as I've grown, um, as I've had ideas, you know, it's like, a, it's a very millennial th- path, right. Where you, we're so, we're so hungry for making our own definitions and doing it differently. Mm-hmm. 
but then all of a sudden you you find your opinions and your thoughts like arrive at this very very familiar place that like Hmm. smells like the previous generation you know and in ways that are like scary and comforting all at once um and so for me uh I'm trying to avoid like using uh, labels really because I don't think it's super helpful for conversations like this. But um, the I, I, I was growing to find that my uh, desire for equality in genders and sexes was actually harmful to both to both genders. Um, okay. And um, I began thinking about that. I thought about that a lot in dating. I thought about that a lot in the church. Um, mm-hmm. but then really, uh, recently having gotten married and, um, approaching, you know, season of engagement and approaching marriage. Now I'm, I'm reminded every day that I'm a husband and hmm. I am a husband, not a wife, right? I'm a husband. Um, I'm a father, not a mother, you know? And, That's right. um, okay. I think I'm an interesting, I'm an interesting position. I got her permission to say this, my wife, Caroline, but, uh, we, we are, I think, uh, an interesting dynamic because she has many qualities of what I think uh, society would characterize as stereotypically masculine. And I have qualities that would stereotypically classify as feminine. Mm-hmm. And so like, like we meet each other in these different ways, which also like kind of flips up my definitions a little bit more. So here I am like a husband reminded every day. Sometimes I feel more feminine than my wife, mm-hmm. uh, but now I'm like, what are these words even meaning anymore? <laughs> right? Mm, like, right. Uh, so I don't know. And it's been, it's been a mm. thought of mine. And um, there's a lot of um, like pretty, pretty influential films that I've watched that I think um, explore like this masculine impulse. Um, like I look at like messages from films or messages from uh, books or even like marketing, right? Like right. you can see, you can see this, uh, you know, this marketing complex of America market to men a certain way that they don't market to women. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, if they, if they see it, like if they see a difference, then I need to find the difference too, so that I can redeem it and sit in it and hear what Christ has to say to me in the midst of that. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a mess, right? Like I've only been married for three months and I'm, I've got it all figured out apparently, but <laughs> I, I don't. So um, <laughs> Wow. Yeah, and then hearing, hearing, listening to you guys the past several episodes, uh, um, Denicia asked you, Anne, when did you feel like a woman? Like, when's the first time you feel like a woman, if you remember that a few weeks ago? And I was like, wow, I need to ask myself that question. Like, when did I feel like a man? Um, and I, mm-hmm. I, I think you can, I can point to several times in my life where I did, but I think one was three months ago when I got married. Right. Um, right. That like I'm, and then Moki, you mentioned, in the episode last week. And I, I'm so glad you said this because it put words to something that I've been feeling of, uh, you said when you were in college, you can go a week eating a bag of potato chips and like, nobody's relying on you. Right. Um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to say like people rely on real men and if they can't rely on you, then you're not a real man. But I'm just, th- there's this like a paradigm shift that's happened in my brain where now I can't, I can't do the potato chip thing anymore, you know? So, um, although the other day I did, uh, totally blow it on making dinner. Like I said, I would, and I just like re I just made these like frozen Trader Joe's veggie cakes and I, we ate like eight of them for dinner and it, I felt horrible. <laughs> I 
like I, I could have handled it by myself, but then serving it to this woman that I love, I felt horrible. <laughs> like I should have thought like 45 more minutes about what dinner plans were going to be. <laughs> but <laughs> Moki is as the marriage veteran on this call. Is That's that right. something that normally is that a, um, is the, like the Trader Joe's veggie cakes. Is that normally take just three months or is it usually like six months a year? Like when does that hit? <laughs> Uh, man, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's in my blood. So, I mean, I, I was doing that kind of stuff when we were engaged. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> she knew what she was she getting. Just, <laughs> man, I, yeah, it was, it was rough, man. I remember, yeah, I don't know. I think, was it like, it was almost like well, probably weeks when we got at like getting into marriage. And I think she was like, Moki, I want you to make me dinner. And I was like, oh, all right, y'all. She, you know, she dig my, she dig my technique. She was like, but not eggs. Eggs, that's a go-to for me. So <laughs> that is like that is one of my go-tos. So the the couple I'm staying with right now, um, they're they've been spending a lot of the time with their family because they just went through like a loss in the family and they're talking about how about cooking specifically and how cooking gets delegated during uh times of shared grief. And they're like, We just can't let dad cook because all he cooks is eggs. <laughs> He only knows it's wholesome, wholesome, it's healthy, it's right? It's easy. You get your B vitamins anyway, but yeah, you hit a lot of stuff when you hit them eggs, man. And so, but it just was not, it wasn't going to cut it. So I learned my lesson real, real early. But even today, I still. So you just can't escape some things, you know what I mean? It's that's what you got for better or for worse. So dust do us part. So I keep so dust do us part. So veggie cakes do us. <laughs> Right. Next time you gotta elevate it and fry an egg to put on top of the veggie. Cakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then maybe like a little bit of cracked pepper on top, and it looks gourmet. Well, Caroline has this ability to like create these beautiful meals out of nothing. Like we're, we look, we both look in the same fridge, and I come out with veggie cakes, yeah. and she comes out with like you know bagels and yeah. these like she she served this like these really wonderful looking hash browns the other day, and I'm like I didn't even know that we had those in there. I look at the fridge 17 times, don't pick a single thing. I like eating trail mix. And then she comes out eating filet mignon. I'm like, where'd you see that? Right. Yeah, right. Right. So, I don't know. But Marcus, um, it's 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 fascinating too <clears throat> how a lot of these feelings and emotions and even part of the confusion comes uh <clears throat> or is made very apparent like after you got married. Right. So like when we were talking with Denicia, <clears throat> one of the things that was we were uh, reflecting on is how marriage is for I mean, for men and for women, probably more so for women than than men. Um, that's the um, the rite of passage to to adulthood. Right. Like just the that idea that you're you're now leaving your family to start uh the, like the one your family you were born in to create a family now mm -hmm. for your for yourself um and <clears throat> it's 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 fascinating as you're talking and saying you know that every day you're reminded that you're the husband and not the wife you know you're the uh you're the you're the man and you're not the woman right like that's i think part of what this what i've been experiencing is this there, there's an anxiety about just like talking about these differences you know 
as though they are real differences. And I'm not saying they're fake, but say like talking about the difference. Hey, I'm the husband, you're not. And what, and I that's and and you know Marcus, you and Ed too help help a brother out here. That's one of the things that a friend of mine was sharing with me and then sharing with some other people, this anxiety about the differences we have, right? As part of what is like the, not the problem, but it's an issue, right? The fact that we have differences, but when we try and articulate them, that also is, is you know, mm-hmm. becomes something that causes anxiety among us, right? So we end up being confused. And then when we try and fix our confusion, we just get, become more confused. Mm-hmm. Well, I think like part of the tension is that it's impossible to, it's impossible to have this conversation outside of a context that's been really negatively shaped by patriarchy, you know? So mm-hmm. I think there's, there is some just inherent anxiety of like treading into those waters and causing more harm, I think. Mm-hmm. And then, um, okay. And I think that I think that one of the major errors of patriarchy, like I, I do see, I would see differences. I do see differences between masculinity and femininity, but I think that there's, um, patriarchy has really defined them as opposites of each other, which has been, I think that's been a really limiting piece of having this conversation. Mm-hmm. is seeing them as like almost like yin and yang kind of mm-hmm. characteristics. Is that how you, how, when I say like how you feel, Marcus, is that like opposites, but like the idea that, you know, when you're saying that you have sometimes the, 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 the feminine is more, I don't know how you say it, like it resonates more with you and the masculine more with, with, with your wife and how that it's, it, it might be conceptually like a, an either or is that how it feels sometimes yeah yeah i mean sometimes sometimes caroline will say something where like she'll like act a certain way or she'll say something and she'll be like oh, i am such the man in this relationship you know she like she'll like say something like that right and you know we have we have a there's a fork in the road moment there where we can laugh at that and you'll be like oh you're so manly you're so funny or we can actually say no, you're actually very much a woman and let's like sit in this and recognize that this too is, is you living into your womanhood. Um, and that's tough. It's, it's, and it's, it's, it's convicting to me, you know? And I, um, I, I, cause I want to, I want to see her, her vibrancy as a woman and not, mm-hmm. for, not only because I love her, but be, for the sake of our family and for the integrity of our family and the, this new identity that we're forming. Um, right. And I think it starts with her. Like, does does she see herself as a woman or does she see herself as uh, mm-hmm. this, like, w- this fake woman who actually acts mm-hmm. like a man, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think, I think I am guilty of the opposite um, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so a lot of this too, and just to, for some person personal here, I didn't grow up with a dad around. Um, I was raised by a single mom mm-hmm. and my parents got divorced when I was six and like very, like bless my mom that she did this. But from the get go, my mom was like, you are not gonna, we are not going to have a family where we not are not going to talk about this because this is really hard. And so I grew up in this home where like everything, every emotion was shared and every emotion was processed. Right. And, um, like 
emotions are very much worn on my sleeve all the time. Um, but uh, culture is sometimes whispers, whispers into my ear that's like, hey, you're a man, you need to be the strong one where you're not allowed to show this mm-hmm. stuff. Or like, mm-hmm. uh, actually, the, the woman should be the one who's wearing her emotions on her sleeves. And um, oh. so I think there's like this uh, gremlin whispering in my ear that's like, this is a feminine quality, right? Wow. And I need to like grow stronger because quote unquote strength is the masculine quality. Um, but it's not right. That's the same thing I would say to Caroline is the same thing I'm trying to say to myself or actually, no, this is, this is true masculinity yeah. and I'm not going to like let these lies steal something from me in that way. Um, but I want to run in the, in the right direction and like not, and not, um, it's th- these things aren't meant to be broken apart into clear boundaries, but yeah. I think, I think it matters. I, and I think the differences do matter. Um, I agree with you, Anne, that we're like very similar, but uh, like I, I'm reckoning with the differences because the differences make me uncomfortable, you know, mm-hmm. and because of the way, like you mentioned patriarchy and the, and the damage that it's done, right? That the, my idealist bent again is just to run the other direction. Like I don't want anything to do with this. Um, mm-hmm. But I actually, I, I'm more challenged now to wade into it and to grab the stuff that I want to bring into my mm-hmm. family um, and then to, mm-hmm. and to mine it out and bring it out. Um, and then get it wrong along the way, I'm sure. And, you know, mess up my own kids in my own ways, but, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's a lot, it's, it's a lot, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's, there's something, uh, so like, like this past week, I was thinking about this. I'm seeing everything through the lens this past week, but I watched, uh, I'm a huge star Wars guy and I, watched something star wars week and i just like i wept like i I was so moved by what i was seeing on screen and i'm not saying star wars is masculine or feminine i'm not saying that but i do think that like there was something about this character that i was crying about that Mm -hmm. was like appealing to me as as a man you know that like Mm -hmm. that's who i like want to be that's like this this drive it's like yearning me forward Mm -hmm. and i think uh storytellers maybe get that a little bit more than I do. Um, or maybe they've shaped my brain over time of the 20 years that I've watched star Wars. Then like, they've like kind of like changed my brain and the way that I see man and men and who I should be and whatnot. But it's like, they're making money off of me and I'm over here, like ignoring the differences, but really like they know the differences better than I do. And, and I want to mm-hmm. acknowledge them too, so that I can mind them. Right. Or, um, I went to LinkedIn the other day and there was this ad on LinkedIn where it was totally playing on the, it was the other side, right? Where they were playing on the fears, the masculine fear. And it was like, the ad was literally like, what are you going to do for the woman you love this, this Christmas? And like, what are like, how are you, like what financial decisions can you make right now so that you can give this woman you love in 12 months, like the get the best gift of her entire life. And I'm like, first of all, I wouldn't spend more than a hundred dollars out running it by my wife. I'm not going to like buy a house or a car and surprise her with it. That's like horrible. But like, I see why, like it did make me stop and think where I'm like, am I, am I loving her? Well, you know? Um, and I think that's like, it's, it's this marketing technique. It's priming the insecurity in me. Um, that maybe like, why, why was that commercial? What are you going to do for your woman in 12 months? Right. Like there's something, there's something there. Um, 
And as I've been thinking about this and listening to you guys, listening to the episodes, I was like, I gotta, I, I would love to get their thoughts on this because I talk to you guys in my head when I listen to you. So <laughs> I feel like I'm talking too much, but um, never, it, never. These are and- these are the thoughts that I've been having. So. And, and yeah. like throw the millennial layer on top of all of it. And I don't even yeah. like this, this part of us that wants to reject labels as part of us that's uncomfortable with differences, um, but yet has yeah. these very real, uh, these very real like demands of like forming a family and these very real desires yeah. of being a father. Um, I don't know. I don't know where all of it is really. And I'm, I'm kind of scared of it too, in a lot of ways. So Jen and I were, well, first of all, I want to thank you for sharing uh, just about your life and, and about growing up. I didn't know about that. You didn't, uh, you, you grew up with a single mom. I didn't know that. And, um, and even to that point, man, the fact that your mom was like, we're going to talk about everything in a sense of, you know, we're going to be honest about our emotions, man. You're, you're luckier than uh, I think a, a, a lot of us who grew up with dads, but never learned how to talk about anything. Mm. And so when you, for, for someone like me, getting emotional um, was like seen as being, you know, the, being the B, you know, or, or like I'm, you know, whatever you want to call the, the term, right? So, and that part probably ties back to Anne's point that the, when you're a man, if, if you're a man and, you know, you're doing the, you're feeling like some kind of feminine, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, it's a bad thing. And, and, and vice versa um but primarily more from the masculine side it's almost like the feminine is like downwards um and uh you know i jen and i were, were watching uh we were watching black ink new york <laughs> on netflix a couple nights ago and uh homeboy uh what's his name the dude J- jen what's the <laughs> dude who the dude who had a kid on black ink <laughs> the rager huh the the guy the guy with the with the the one who lost his tooth <laughs> huh puma so puma ended up getting a kid <laughs> right? that was such a great and journey puma. for that yeah <laughs> yeah oh puma right puma, yeah yeah puma was uh um so he like dude is a rager like you could tell he's that dude cannot be more than than 30 um and dude was a rager, lost his tooth in a rage at a party, whatever, and then ended up, you know, he's got a he's got a lady and ends up getting her pregnant, and they he now has a kid. And it was funny, not funny, but it was interesting to hear how he was talking about now he's a father and he's got a it's like changing how he approaches his life and the priorities, like, you know, like I can't party anymore, I can't be wild anymore like I used to. Um, I in his in his uh in his mind there's a there was a legitimate feeling like i have to change right and um and but the the optics of the situation were were just interesting because he's uh he's still partying right he's he's still hanging with a bunch of people that are still living the you know partying every night kind of lifestyle and living in the drama and blah 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 um and I one of the things I, uh, I'm thinking of is, um, so Anthony Bradley, like I love Anthony Bradley's stuff when he talks about masculinity, about guys, fatherhood, and everything like that. And he's one of the he wrote a piece a while back about why evangelical dudes 
uh, gravitate to Jordan Peterson so much. And I read 12 Rules of Life a while back, and I was the thing was awesome. I loved it. And one of the things that Bradley points out is Jordan Peterson, he challenges guys to live into like that masculinity side of things and to, you know, live into your, and like, you know, affirm who you are. Um, and also he encourages them uh, to continue and just to start from where they are and just, and, and then just move forward. Like he, he, he attends to the feeling of shame that we already have because, you know, we're millennials because we, we start later in life with all everything. We get married later. We have jobs later, careers later. We stay with our parents longer. Um, and we're struggling with how to deal just like, like we are right now. Like you and I, we're both in our thirties now. And like, are you in thirties? 29 years young, baby. There you go. Right on time. Right. Like right. And we're still like, we're still struggling with some, what seemed to be pretty like foundational um, like I- identities, I guess you you call it that. Being a man, being a father, uh, being a husband, like we're still like, yo, what is this, right? Um, and 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 so th- that's one of the things I w- and wanted to ask you, Anne. Um, when I think about and something Marcus said about like the differences and wanting you want to there's patriarchy you know what as patriarchy going the opposite direction but if you go in the opposite extreme it's just as unhelpful i've sometimes feel either like anxiety or like if i say anything i'm gonna people are gonna see me as you know like ignorant or or as, as a like a conservative or whatever it's going to, I'm going to be bad somehow by trying to understand masculinity, even in this new, in a new way. Um, particularly from for, like, if I bring it up to women, is that something you, you experience or I know you're a kind person, you're more evolved than all of us and you have a, a clear perspective on this more than we do, but have you experienced that where dudes have been like, Hey, Anne, help me. And then they come out sounding like a douchebag. Um, no, or some, some dudes have no. Okay. Because they never have the conversation. So I think that, I think that a lot of, and I, I understand the, the fear because I definitely do because even just like I had to like swallow a comment when you brought Jordan Peterson into the conversation because he's got some good stuff to say, but he's also, dare I say, kind of full of crap (laughs) like on other, like he believes in enforced monogamy and like some other weird stuff that I'm like, I'm not wild about that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I have to like check myself and be like, I understand why Moki is bringing him up and he's, yeah. you're, you're right in that he definitely, um, speaks to, yeah, like a, a an insecurity in, right. in particular millennial males right. that's real and needs to be addressed and, mm-hmm. and speaks to it with some truth. I don't know if it's a lot of truth, but some certainly, yeah. um, yeah. So, but I think, uh, partly so going back to the the patriarchy and we can't just swing the other direction i think that like whether patriarchy is 
is like a power structure. And I Mm -hmm. think that it's, we haven't stopped having the conversation about power or in a way that is like, um, maybe, uh, kind of beneath the surface about power and who has power. And so then our definitions of masculinity and femininity end up being about who has power. And, um, I think that it's like the difference between talking about equality versus equity. Right. So, um, like I don't think that men and women are inherently the same or fundamentally the same or that masculinity Mm -hmm. and femininity are fundamentally the same, but anytime one of those things is attached to a power structure, whether it's, whether it's femininity or masculinity, we're, Mm -hmm. we're headed for problems. And I think that you Mm -hmm. see that, you know, kind of broadly across culture, but then also interpersonally too. Mm -hmm. Hey everyone, just a heads up that this episode is actually just part one of our conversation with Marcus. And do you feel that, um, because it, it, one question that comes to mind is that, well, is the, the only way we, we know how to bring up or have the, the dialogue is through the lens of power. Like we don't know anything else. Exactly. Right? So, exactly. So so I guess the the one question would be well well not okay so there's that so there's that one let me like put a a little little flagpole on that one smallest flagpole in the world put it on that one um I feel like okay and please help me here um the conversation of masculinity femininity or just but yeah masculinity femininity I feel like is usually one that is kind of over um or it's it presupposes um, the vantage point of, of, of a man in the sense that, um, well, not in a sense, but I'll say personally, in terms of when it comes to the conversation about manhood, men, wait, masculinity, femininity, three to one, its ratio is men talking about it as opposed to women talking about it. Is it an issue among women? Or is it just like something that men are obsessed over and then we've just made it now a man problem has become an everyone's problem? You mean these definitions or? Just the whole, the, 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 maybe the, the anxiety or the, the, the awareness maybe, right? Like, cause it, cause I want the one question I have is not just even to this point, but in general, are, is there a point where you become too self-aware about who we are or the identities that we have that we begin, it begins to have like diminishing returns. Hmm. Maybe, but I don't think that that's where we're starting. You know, okay. like I think so that, where are we starting? Uh, I think that's, it's the self-consciousness. I think it's inherited definitions that are pretty bad for both men okay. and women. Okay. Uh, or, or very warped. Huh? The ones about women. What are those? Well, I think for me growing up in an evangelical setting, like I, I mean, I have been called bossy my whole life, like Mm -hmm. from the time that I was little and it was never like, oh, let's, let's, you know, if it, if I were a boy, it's like, 
it would have been like, let me, let's teach you how to lead versus I'm a girl. So that's inherently unappealing and you need to like mm. tone it down. So you, so you were doing something wrong. Whereas a guy was just, the boys yeah. were just kind of like, yeah. Um, their latent potential. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, <laughs> I, in, and, and I'm not saying this is right. It's, it wasn't good, but like I got in a fist fight in seventh grade and um, I got and? grounded for two months, I think. <laughs> and my brother got in a couple fights and never got in trouble, you know? So just yeah. things like that where it's like, uh, and I'm saying we, we both should have gotten in trouble to be clear, <laughs> but like in one setting, like that is appropriately labeled problematic and toxic. And then in the other, it's okay. like, Oh, well, boys will be boys, rough housing, blah, blah, blah. Got it. Got um, but I think even more than that, it's just the idea that like my purpose as a human, um, and I'm going to be very careful about how I say this because I don't think that I received this from my mom, at least not directly, but just the idea that my purpose as a female on planet earth was to grow up and get married and basically be mm-hmm. an incubator for the rest yeah. of my life, you know? Yeah. And, um, and yeah. So I think that that's just, it's such a narrow definition and it looks like such a narrow mm-hmm. confining thing for so many women, I think in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. And similarly, like the way that there's a very narrow definition of masculinity being like all about strength and being not having, not showing emotions and, you know, all that, like that's also very toxic. Um, and yeah, creates a lot of problems. Um, but yeah, similarly, like kind of you're always there to help and serve and don't have a lot of opinions and you're very sweet and never ruffle any feathers and um basically are just there (laughs) i would also say very much so too and this is something i did absorb through christian culture um to build up the egos of men Mm. there's a lot of messaging around that for particularly for christian young women Mm -hmm. wow Yeah. yeah Just curious, and and because Marcus mentioned the the how Star Wars just brought the waterworks for him, and I think for for dudes, right, like the one of the big breakthroughs it seems like for for guys is when, um, uh, when you I think accept the fact that there are things in life that make you cr- like it remote, re- respond emotionally, you particularly like through crying, right, like. Um, Louis C.K. for all his faults has that one um, uh, story where he is talking about where he was listening to a song on the radio, driving the car, got him so emotional um, that he pulled over, had to cry, get it out of system, and then carry on with his life. Um, and uh, and so I'm, I'm like for dudes, like a big breakthrough is when you can like be okay with the fact that you cry. And things make you cry. Um, is like what's the what's like is is there an equivalent kind of breakthrough for for women? It's great, yeah. So I actually think I, this is my answer to Denicia was when I became okay with being angry, uh, and because great. that is something we're not supposed to be, and it's something I still get called. Like I have lots and lots of exchanges with people. I could show you receipts <laughs> of Dang. people like. Uh, messaging telling me that I'm too angry about stuff like like sexual assault for example I'm too my tone is too angry about it so um and then it's off-putting 
and that's gosh. one like that one doesn't really bother me it's like irritating and like well I, you know i but it's mm. like it rolls off my back in a way that it didn't used to but it was something that yeah like anger is something that feels like it's supposed to be masculine only and i think that that's just dumb because mm-hmm. it's a human emotion and we all experience it for rightly and wrongly for different reasons and um i think that when i stopped trying to suppress it and started listening to it that was a really powerful turning point in my life and identity as a woman marcus you i mean you like from a young age have been i've had a, the privilege of um i guess just being in an environment where you could express your emotions mm-hmm. um i was i was that, the only six-year-old in in weekly counseling <laughs> i feel like my mom was like, we're taking you to counseling. <laughs> Man, I, I and, um, and I, I don't mean to like, you know, make your childhood like it was idyllic or we you know, look at it nostalgically. Right. What's kind of like the, like a breakthrough been like for you, even though, you know, in, in terms of realizing that what it means to be a man is more than just the narrow definition that you've known growing up yeah i i feel like i'm coming at it i i've come at it from a different like for me um Mm -hmm. i've never i never i've never struggled with crying right like that's That's i've never struggled with sharing sharing my emotion like i've said uh that said though i i think i've struggled with the other end of the spectrum where like i feel like because i didn't have a father growing up i'm now terrified to be one you know, mm. um, and so, mm. um, or like, I never mm. saw a healthy marriage modeled in my home. Fortunately, I have through the church. Uh, right. I mean, the church, wow. I feel like, man, um, I can't say enough good things about what it's done for my life. But wow. um, it's, there's been a part of me where like, I, uh, you know, I, I, I make tons of excuses in my head of why, like, I'm not going to be the, a good father because yeah, I've never yeah. seen it. I've never seen one before. So I think um, life right now is inviting me to step into masculinity and fatherhood, wow. but I don't, I don't know where to step. You know, I, I like, I'm like, wow. where, where do I go here? And like the stories are beautiful, but I can't, I can't be, uh, you know, I can't be Luke Skywalker. <laughs> that's not, that's not real. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. So that, that's been my, that's been my struggle. And uh, you know, the, the things that I struggled with growing up were, um, looking back now, I mean, it was also a different time, but, you know, struggle like, because I was more emotional, I, and this was like mid two thousands where now that must mean I'm gay. Right. Um, mm. and even, and even now, which I think this is just an, I'm, I'm sharing this anecdotally and observationally, um, I have a lot of gay friends. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's like I, for some reason, I'm just like drawn to this group of people. And, and there was a while where I think I'm just, I'm just going to be real here. I think my mom thought I was gay because of the way that I was acting. Right. But we're all, we're all swimming in this like uh, very shallow understanding and, you know, early two thousands culture understanding of what Mm -hmm. being gay means and um, of like me not knowing what to do with, uh, with the way that I clearly, very clearly don't fit in with, um, these other men around me. Um, 
I like I've 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 so I think for me like these moments are my quote unquote turning point moments or moments that I've had um I I I think back to uh when I was 16 or 17 I was driving in a car with my pastor my first ever church that I went to as a high schooler and I don't know what made him say this to me but he was like I just want to let you know that I, when I speak to you, I don't look at you as if you're a high schooler. I, I look to you as if you're a man. He said that to me. Hmm. And I was like, and I, I just remember being like, oh my gosh, like, am I that? You know, I remember him thinking that and I, not, not really believing him. Um, I, I think back to, uh, you guys know him, Ryan Levis. Um, when I roomed with him at Gordon-Conwell, like he spoke a lot of masculinity into me that, um, wow. you know, he, he would use words about me that I would never use about myself words like that. We would clarify that we would associate with, with quote unquote masculinity is like words like strong and words like, um, independent and things that I never really believed about myself. But I think wow. Ryan like spoke them into me and I realized that they were there. Um, and then this is also, this is an, again, anecdotal, but, um, where I was a volunteer, vacation Bible school team leader for like this group of kindergartners at church. Right. Got to. Um, vacation Bible school, love it or hate it. It's really complicated, but it's <laughs> maybe it's worth doing. <laughs> uh, we all did. We but all anyway, did. right. So free so daycare. I, <laughs> right. So I volunteer, I volunteer and to be a team leader and I have like, you know, I hang out all week with this, these kindergartners and these kindergartners are like climbing all over me and I walk in and I'm the only male volunteer right that's like not not doing like a soundboard or you know like a leadership role organized logistical role so i'm yeah. i'm the only kid there and these kids are like climbing all over me right and i'm having a blast like it's fun and i end up talking to my co-staff member who who put on the director and she was just like wow those kids love you and i was like yeah i, I don't know what i i said i don't know what i'm doing like these kids are very clearly just loving me and she said, uh, I mean, she, this girl, this woman has been in, she was, worked in public education for 15, 20 years. She says, like, what she sees with kids is that when there's a male, they somehow along the way, kids pick up that males have power, right? And so that when this position of power comes down to their level, it's like they are reacting to this and just want to be around it all the time. Wow. And like, for on one hand, that's, that's depressing and so sad. And that mm -hmm. like, all I had to do is walk into a room and be a man. And like, that means something. And then like, and, you win. This, and I win. Right. And, and this woman who has been working in education for 20 years, like has to like earn this, these kids affections in a different mm -hmm. way. Um, yeah. but then too, it's like, okay, well, I, I didn't do anything. I, I can't do anything about this, but like, I want to use this for the kingdom. I, mm -hmm. I don't, and I don't know. And maybe that means giving it away, but I don't think it means not being with the kids. I, I don't know. Like, again, I think it all comes back to me stepping into what I need to step into. Um, but that millennial side of me is like terrified to do it because it's, it's looks like commitment. It looks like stereotypes. It looks like harmful language. It looks like abuse in the church. It looks, you know, like it looks like yeah. all these things that I want nothing to do with. Um, so I, I feel like we're, I feel like we're like talking around this problem a lot. So, uh, in, 
in the spirit of of Growing Pains podcast here, you know, you guys spent the past few weeks trying to rebrand the American dream, right? Like, mm-hmm. what does rebranding femininity and masculinity look like? Like, can we like move towards something for the sake of an episode? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and, and because because that's exactly where I'm at. You know, like yeah. we're we're really good at we can talk about this yeah. all day. Like, hey, I'm struggling yeah. with this. I'm feeling this. Blah blah blah. Yeah. But like at the end of the day, like the world's looking at you like who are you going to be and it's like yeah. I, okay i got to be somebody um yeah. it's um i it's, man when you're talking about vacation bible school i was a uh a uh, youth camp counselor one time and uh i remember when we had the the counselors you know the, the staff meeting in the morning i think i was one of three two dudes in there and I remember having the same experience where it's like, you know, I wasn't doing anything, bro. And the kids are like, it's fine. I, I totally forgot about that until you mentioned you, you brought up your story. Um, I mean, you, you say something powerful, man. And it's like life is inviting you to get into, to have, it's almost like life is inviting you to find those breakthroughs in, in, in who you are. And that is powerful. Um, I, I, I got and what do you think? I, 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 my interest, my first, my, whenever I'm confused, I just got an, and usually will just sort, 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 sort me and everybody else out. My initial response to Marcus is rebranding the American dream in terms of masculine femininity. I think is, is, I don't know, man. I think about the Psalms and the cool thing about the Psalms is that it's just a, a, a how do you, a, an expression of like, of the like the, the human expression and, and, and all of its enjoy, laughter, sadness, pain, um, grief, sorrow, um, shame, so on and so forth, so on and so forth. And it invites everybody to experience all of that. And one of the things that I think about is it's it's hard to articulate clearly, but it's just the 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 what it means to be a man and, and, and what it means to be a, a woman. One, Marcus, you complicated also because you brought, you know, this idea that at some point in the last 20 years, um, you're like, by you being who you were, it was like, Marcus is gay. Or there's, and not only that, but the, the implication of that is like, something's wrong with Marcus. So, um, I don't know. I would say that it's something that, you know, I, I'm a big, you know, Bonhoeffer fan and he was like all concrete and, you know, everything is, you figure things out in the situation, situational ethics in some ways. I would say it's like that, you know, what is it to me and be a man? Well, let's say it's, you know, when Marcus and, 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 and Caroline are, you know, that moment where it's like, oh gosh, I'm such a man, right? That's in the ways that you figure it out there. Something else happens and you figure it out, figure it out there. Yeah. And it's, I think, having the openness and the courage to um, just express yourself. And I'm not saying, and this isn't to say like Anne's favorite phrase, live your truth. It's not just that, but it's, it's, um, it's to like in therapy. One of the things that my therapist always hones in on is he'll say something to me or he'll ask me about something and I'll share, I'll like just respond immediately. And I'll say, you know what, man, I, I don't know why I, I don't know why I responded like that. And he'll say, no, 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 no. That's what we need to talk about. And then being able to like being open to explore our visceral responses to life and the opportunities that life is presenting and then, and being op- open to share those with other people. 
because it has at this point the, the every this this dream that we want to have this society or whatever we want to have has to be one that's obviously we have to attend to and appreciate the individualistic society we live in it has a lot of benefits and values and then now on top of that include the community as 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 a part of that because i will say this and you know marcus the quote-unquote formal beginning of our friendship was at at conwell when i was going through a whole lot of stuff and you pull me aside uh after after uh class one day and you're like Moki, i don't know what's going on man but you look like you're going through a whole lot of stuff you know i don't know what you're dealing with it must be a lot it must be really painful you know do you want to talk about it right so the idea of masculinity for like that is that you as how you came to me um no being because you were trained you were formation wise grew up you knew how to talk about emotions you were you were receptive to other people talking about emotions that is what has created a friendship between us two guys right right so i think that's that's i think for me an example of what moving forward could could be like and okay this is a perfect perfect point to jump in and so i'm going to throw out my definition and you guys can you guys are the ones that have to live it. I'm not ready to find femininity yet. So you can, you can truth. push back or whatever. But so I was, I was talking to my mom the other day. Well, no, I'm going to start with a story that connects to Moki's story. So I'm not a crier for the most part. I'm like, I'm just not. And Marcus, you're probably one of the few guys I've ever cried in front of, like talking to about I'm life honored. and just been like, yeah. And I don't, and I don't um, say that to you as like, oh, like Marcus is one of the like the gal pals. Like that's like a very specific, you know, because you're not like it was like a very specific thing that I was talking to you about that I needed um, to talk to a man about. And, and you were mm-hmm. a safe person to do that. So I want to affirm that first of all. Um, but yeah, now connecting the dots. OK, so I was talking with my mom the other day and we were talking about um I think we were talking about the suicide rate in the town where she lives and it's, or in the County where they live, my parents live and it's crazy high and mostly men, um, which is pretty typical, you know, most completed suicides are men, not women. Um, And we're talking about why that might be. And they live in a really rural area, lots of ranchers and cowboys and um, people that sort of live off in the sticks and um, I was saying, well, like, you know, it's just, there's a lot of just throughout this phrase, this is a millennial phrase too, like toxic masculinity, right? Like no one talks about their feelings. It's taboo to talk about your feelings. It's taboo to have deep relationships, like all of these things. And she's like, yeah, I agree. What would you say is like positive masculinity? And so I like sat mm. with it for a minute. It's great. And I was like, I think that, so if toxic masculinity is masculinity or it's strength in my view, it's strength employed in the service of power and manipulation and ego. And sometimes at the expense of those things or at the expense of self, you know, in, in an endeavor to like hold up ego. I think that like a positive masculinity is strength employed um, to serve and build up others. Mm. How does, and yeah. I said I had a little bit more, but I can't remember what I said about um, 
something to do with self, but yeah, like a self, a self-sacrifice, not like self-abasement, but like Mm self-sacrifice and strength in the service of, of others. Yeah. How does that sit? Yeah, it's, it's good. Um, and this is, and gosh, this is tough. I feel like I'm, I might be looking onto patriarchal waters here, but I have no choice. I must go forth. Right. Um, so this is where I think just the example of Jesus is really helpful for, for guys because mm. that's exactly what you're talking about. Yep. And for us, we have at least the opportunity to see a um, uh, an example of someone who had power, all of it, a good amount of it, um, and um, two things paradoxically used it in the service of others and then also didn't didn't you didn't quote unquote use it to didn't use it um for the sake of 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 others so because god could have come in and done the whole rambo thing and fixed it but instead put it aside for our sake and so uh you know that resonates really strongly and you know, I think uh, what's super cool is to be able to do that, and then also not, uh, you know, at at you know, it's hard. We all have self interests. There's no way you can get around it. We're at some point. If I'm if I can't say goodnight to my family if I'm not around, so I'm gonna make sure that I'm around. That's a self interest too. Um, but service of others. Um, expecting nothing in return. Well, and I, I wanted to tie that too to, to my, my comment before about like Marcus being one of the only guys I've ever cried in front of, like that wasn't a, that's not like him being that, that place to like process that thing with is not, um, not necessarily like machismo. It's not machismo strength, but it's a huge strength mm-hmm. and it's very necessary. And it's one that it was like, he did something for me and what that only a man could have done as a friend, you know? So Hmm. I think that's, um, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I feel, I like thinking about strength because that feels to me more flexible, um, and versatile Hmm. in a way. Yeah. Marcus. Hey everyone. Just a heads up that this episode is actually just part one of our conversation with Marcus. Recording it was a classic flow state experience for us. We felt like 20 minutes had gone by, but looked to the clock and it was over two hours. We didn't want you to miss out on this conversation, which inevitably would have happened if we tried to trim it down to an hour or less. And we know that a two-hour podcast is a little overwhelming to say the least. So instead, we're going to release it in two parts so that you can experience the full depth of this messy, raw, and ultimately powerful conversation. We hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned for part two.